Good morning! This is Erica Ensign, and you are listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. Good morning! Welcome to Too Much Scrolling for October 23rd, 2018. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hassan-Flo. Yeah, we're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. How about a snowstorm in the middle of October, Chip? That was great! If you're in the Chicago area... We had, uh, I would say sleet. I don't know if it was snow. I saw snow, my friend. Well, it was bouncing off my car. Followed by, like an hour later, we had itty-bitty marble-sized hail. Oh, man. So let's just say the world is ending. Well, yeah, the, the, the scientists are not uh, not disagreeing with you in a lot of ways right now. So well, there's it, that. that. That was pretty early. My hope is that it doesn't get too cold too quickly. Although um, the weather definitely has changed. Uh, it was 22 degrees when I woke up on Sunday. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's pretty cold. Film at 11. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. Hervé Villachez is not a name that I would say very often. De Plain, De Plain, oh Steve. Oh my goodness. Do you remember Do you remember being a young person and watching Fantasy Island? And I'm looking, Mr. Rourke, your host. Welcome at, to Fantasy Island. You got Ricardo Montalban being his debonair self, and then Hervé Villachez being this, this unusual character that we don't get to see in our everyday life. Well, he, he was, uh, what do you consider, a dwarf? He was uh, considered a dwarf, yes. Okay, so... You know, we he had, had dwarfism. We we had you know Mr. Rourke, and he is the most suave and debonair young man. Uh-huh. Certainly, um, very reserved, but very elegant. Mm-hmm. And then we had um, you know his tattoo. partner, yeah. tattoo his partner, and. Uh, the, the, the premise of it was that you would arrive at the uh, island and you would have a dream that you would like to experience. Anything that you could imagine, they could make happen for you for that moment. Very Twilight Zone-like. C- certainly so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it wasn't, it didn't turn out what you thought it would turn mm-hmm. out. Like most wishes, the genie doesn't always give you what you think think you want the genie gives you what you need in those stories this was such a great series i enjoyed the fantasy of it understanding what fantasy writing could look like i really admired that little man and his ability his talent and i i didn't know very much about him until this saturday when the biopic of Hervé Villachez came out. It's called My Dinner with Hervé. It premiered on HBO on Saturday night. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how this came to be mm-hmm. and the premise of this movie, of, of Hervé's real life. Yeah, this the story behind this movie is almost better than the movie itself. Journalist Sacha Gervaisi interviewed Hervé Villachez in 1993. This was a three-night adventure that Hervé took this journalist on in order to get the story for his magazine. Hervé, at the time, was down on his luck. He was running out of money. He had spent all of the millions of dollars from Fantasy Island, and he was really running out of 
funds to supply his L.A. lifestyle. He uh, made some choices about the life that he wanted to live in L.A., and he was not going to be able to do that for much longer. And afterwards, he committed suicide. And that Three days later. So he had this interview. This was his suicide note. He turned to this journalist and said, tell my story. This is the final interview with Hervé Villachez. All right. But this movie didn't, I mean, this was written in 1993, but it took a long time for it to become a movie. Right. 1993 was 25 years ago this happened. And so tell me about who who got a hold of the script and how long it took to kind of put together. So Sacha Gervaisi really wanted to make this into a movie. He is a filmmaker. You might remember him as the director of the Hitchcock movie from oh, yes. five, six years ago. With Anthony Hopkins. It's a really good Hitchcock movie. If you haven't seen that one, it's just called Hitchcock from 2012. You should go watch that one. He directed that movie. He is a fine filmmaker, and he wanted to make this story into a movie. I just want to bring this up. If, if you're going to watch Hitchcock, you might as well get a big can of pate. <laughs> Because it was amazing, the spoonfuls of pate Anthony uh, Hopkins had to, to eat. And I guess if you're going to watch uh, your dinner with Hervé, you could also get uh, big cans of, uh, of pate and do the same. There you go. Sacha Gervaisi approached Peter Dinklage about playing the part of Hervé Villachez 15 years ago. Well, I mean, Peter was getting ready to go like to some uh, fantasy role. <laughs> And he was going to spend a long time uh, going from, you know, coast to coast trying to, um, you know, he was a Lannister, Steve. He, mm-hmm. You know, they always pay their debts. And this was way before Game of Thrones. Oh, it was. Because we're on season... Is, is this the part where he was the writer for, like, uh, and then the elf came to visit him? <laughs> And they wrote the book? That was a great movie. Elf Elf was a great movie, and Peter Dinklage is a great actor. And he played the part in Elf so well that that's one of the reasons why Sacha approached him to do this piece on Hervé Villachez. For the last 15 years, the two of them have been wanting to make this movie happen. It has been a passion project for the two of them for the last 15 years. It, It took... Peter Dinklage to become the Peter Dinklage with all the awards that he's won from Game of Thrones in order for HBO to finally green light this as a project. Okay. And I got to tell you, this is a really good story about fame, about celebrity, about uh, making the right choices with money, about pain and suffering and finding out who you are in life. Isn't it amazing? Mm -hmm. Um, Actors many times have a shelf life. Right. um, Especially if they have a role like Adam West had a role or William Shatner had a role. He was Mm -hmm. very lucky to have multiple roles. Mm -hmm. But uh, Tattoo, uh, you know, Hervé. Yeah. I don't think he had many roles after Fantasy Island. No, I, I don't remember any Hervé Villachez movies or TV shows after Fantasy Island. And if we remember properly, I think he was written out of the show mm-hmm. uh, eventually, too. And there's quite a few scenes in this movie where Hervé Villachez is interacting with Ricardo Montalban on the set of Fantasy Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were not working well together at some point in this production. I, I could not imagine working with Ricardo Montalban being anything other than uh, Joyce, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I think that he, it, my experience in listening to interviews with him, he was very gracious. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know him personally, but, you know, if there's going to be challenges, I don't know necessarily think it would become from Ricardo. Uh, according to this movie, it was definitely from Hervé. He was certainly hard to work with. He certainly had a point of view. And he always felt like he was coming from behind. He always felt like he was outside. He 
felt like he was a freak because of his size. Okay. And he was always battling that demon of himself thinking that he doesn't fit in and, and little did he know that he could have waited a few more years and he could have been like an elder guy on game of thrones yeah yeah if he had if he had survived game of thrones would certainly have used him and and put him to work with peter dinklage all right yeah. so a very good uh, film I really i really enjoyed this one it is definitely an adult sort of story it okay. is deeply dark uh, the lifestyle that he was living in this time was uh fueled by all sorts of things that that is definitely not family friendly but if you are looking for the depth of character of this human being and looking at it from the perspective of these two people who fell in love with this story this is a great movie steve if there were you had a capital one credit card is there like a show that we could watch <laughs> There is a new show on HBO called Camping. This started last week. It stars Jennifer Garner and David Tennant as so, a married couple. So Doctor Who... Um, gets a credit card. <laughs> has a credit card uh, person there. That seems very interesting, Steve. It is mildly interesting. This is a, a United States adaptation of a British series of the same name that was on two years ago. You can find some streaming versions of that in our show notes. Uh, this is about a couple who are going camping, uh, surprisingly enough, for the husband's 45th birthday. And they are uh, a couple that work well together. The husband listens very carefully to what the wife has to say, and the wife has a lot to say. She is a very uh, strenuous scheduler. She's one of those people that walks around with a binder and knows exactly what needs to happen at exactly what moment in this camping trip. He goes along for the ride, but so do the colorful cast of characters that they bring with them. All of their friends who don't necessarily follow the schedule that she is putting forward and all of the hilarity that ensues from that. All right, we also had a, a show that started on ABC mm -hmm. that seems to be missing someone, Steve. Yes, I saw the premiere of The Connors. This is the spinoff, the follow-up to Roseanne. The, remember last year, Roseanne came back to ABC after 20 years absence. And then Roseanne Barr herself... Uh, she had some words to say on Twitter, Steve. Yeah, she had some feelings that uh, most of America disagreed with, and ABC certainly didn't want to work with her anymore, so they fired her. But the rest of the cast got the chance to come back as a different show. It's called The Connors. It's the same as Roseanne, only without Roseanne. And they made sure that Roseanne was not going to show up again, maybe yeah. unless she's a ghost, Steve. Yep, they decided to make Roseanne Connor a non-part of this family because she died of an opioid overdose. Which is very timely because very. opioids um, obviously are, are um, a real issue mm -hmm. in our society. And they have really gone to the point where they are pointing out this is a problem in our society we have to do something about it but they did it in such a way that it's still a sitcom there was still humor mm -hmm. in this first episode there was a lot of grief this was a real way to show a family in grief 
mm-hmm. while still maintaining the comedy. There's there's still going to be funny things that happen in your family if your family is grieving. And this was a good mix of those things. The acting of John Goodman is stellar. The acting of Laurie Metcalf, of course, is stellar. And Sarah Gilbert, who's the executive producer, really has her voice in this. So the real issue is going to be whether they can withstand missing, you know, ultimately as a superstar, mm-hmm. Roseanne Barr, and they can find an audience. Well, John Goodman and Laurie Metcalf are pretty big stars Absolutely, right now. Absolutely, I would agree. So I, I, don't, I really have high expectations for this. I really hope that we're going to get a good sitcom next week. All right, Steve, there's this uh, thing where they make fun of movies <laughs> live. Do you know any about, anything about this riff track stuff? Riff tracks. You know, that thing that I tell you about all the time and you look at me like, oh, we're talking about this again. Is this like Mystery Science Theater? Yes, it's just like that, Chip. Riff tracks released their riff on Ready Player One on Friday. Well, that must be difficult to do, Steve. <laughs> Well, well. luckily, Mike Nelson and Connor Lestoka had already told the world how they felt about Ready Player One when they did their uh, podcast slash riff on the book Ready Player One. That's called 372 Pages Will Never Get Back. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty telling. They don't like that book very much, and they wrote their riffs for the movie based on that same feeling that they really don't like this story very much. Well, if we remember the movie... It- which is a Spielberg film, mm-hmm. um, there was all of a sudden a team, and we had no idea why they were a team. Yeah. And uh, yes, we've got a, our Luke Skywalker character in there, and yes, he can do no wrong. Uh, he's a Mary Sue, yes. Uh, but what can we say? Um, it kind of, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I kind of enjoy this movie. I like the book better. It has better characterizations. But the thing that drives the Rift Tracks guys nuts is the constant references to all sorts of pop culture that are strewn about this. That's one of the things you said to me when I'm you go- read it. I'm going to grab this Laffy Taffy over here. <laughs> along with a Pepsi Cola. (laughs) (laughs) While I'm watching Back to the Future. Remember Back to the Future? Yeah, Back to the Future was great. The the idea that he, if I remember correctly, he always had like, well, you remember like, Season 3, Episode 7 of Good uh-huh. Times. You're going, well, how in the world would you remember that? <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot to criticize with Ready Player One, and the Rift Tracks guys did a pretty good job of it. You can go to rifttracks.com and find out for yourself if you like the idea of making fun of movies as much as I do. You got to see a couple of things. You were watching AMC, and AMC Visionary Series this week premiered with Eli Roth's History of Horror. Tell us about that. Now, this is sort of... A follow-up series earlier this year we had james cameron do a history of science fiction that's right and that was a wonderful series they mm-hmm. had you know interviewed uh spielberg and george lucas and i mean gary k wolf who did our show thank you very much there we go we had we had a it was a wonderful series mm-hmm. and now this one um i got to see the first episode and this is a series they're releasing them one uh one at a time i think saturday night okay but i got to see the one on zombies all right. And of course, we have Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie, talking about zombies, makes perfect sense to me. Go on. And uh, Edgar Wright. Okay, because he did Shaun of the Dead, which was a great zombie movie. Oh, uh, and then of course, we have some writer Stephen King. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and and Max Brooks, which is uh, Mel Brooks's son. Who wrote World War Z. And of course, we have Frodo. Uh <laughs> 
Why? And, and Jack Black. Uh, so Elijah Wood and uh, Jack Black were also interviewed, along with Quentin Tarantino and Leonard Maltin and John Landis. John we- Landis is definitely a horror guy. You know that he started in horror before he made the Blues Brothers. He was making horror movies. He's, did, a, he's a horror guy. Who did uh, Werewolf uh, in London, right? American Werewolf in London, yes, yes sir. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, so what? Uh, this explores sort of the history of zombie mm-hmm. and zombie movies is really what we're, we're going through. It, it seemed to have left out the, the one that I would have uh, originally gone to, I Am Legend, yeah. which we uh, I read, and that was one of our book of the week. Was it last year at, at I, Halloween time, maybe? Maybe. And mm-hmm. then, then I uh, watched the, uh, I think, three or four versions of the, the movie right. of that. And uh, we did not explore that. So it was kind of a vampire slash zombie-ish. Right. But quite possibly the beginning of the zombie trend was in that book, I Am Legend. Um, obviously, Night of the Living Dead was sort of the beginning mm-hmm. part of that. Um, and what do you really get, get you, from Barbara. this? That's right. <laughs> What we really get from it is special effects sort of drive these type of movies and how to portray something. And and uh, for a lot of the people who, who find this uh, a fascinating genre, which I'm not a big horror person, mm-hmm. um, they really enjoy sort of how, you know, how did they set the shot? How was the head put through? Who was pulling up the head? You know, mm. we, get, we, we um, how did the guts fall out? Or however this thing kind of works. The science of it. Sure, or sort of how it's it's filmed. Okay. So we get a little bit of that. Uh, what we also, also get a debate over... Uh, Slow zombies versus fast zombies. <laughs> of course. So, uh, 20, of course. 28 days later, World War uh, Z. Uh-huh. Um, these are uh, fast zombie movies. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the slow zombies. Slow. Shaun of the Dead. Yes. And they, they, there's a, like a whole discussion on that there is a um, there is a way that we have to address them. And in fact, they didn't do, um, there wasn't a discussion of Zombieland. Zombieland was not in this? Which had the rules no of what to do kidding. with, uh, how, to, how you got to deal with zombies. Yes. So anyway, I, I really enjoyed this. I think this is a fascinating series. And I think they will continue to, um, you know, every week there's a, there's a new genre they're going to do, I guess, seven or eight episodes of this. This is a nice bookend to the science fiction one. Who knows what they'll do next? Maybe fantasy or something. Very cool. But um, well, it's going on right now, and you might as well check it on the AMC app. Very good. You got you finally got a chance to see Eighth Grade. This is a movie that we've been discussing since the summer. Uh, it's about eighth grade. It's is a realistic view of what my life is like as a teacher in middle school. All right. So this movie is listed as a comedy. Mm-hmm. I, I would not suggest it's a comedy. I, I wouldn't even say it's a dramedy. It's sort of maybe just a slice of life wow. of what Bo Burnham and uh, the parents who are watching this think of their child's life in school mm-hmm. and this is a fascinating look at it because we've got a, a young, young lady and she is using um, instagram maybe snapchat that some sort of social media okay sure and and she's giving sort of self-help um videos and so you want to be more self-confident this is what you need to do and you know, she's a young girl and she's using it from her perspective and then you see how she uses her story mm-hmm. her her lesson in her own life you know how, how to, to you know work outside your comfort zone how to do this how to do that this is very very good mm-hmm. um if you have interest in seeing how a child would react or how they possibly are reacting steve this is your school day mm-hmm. every single day 
you've got the popular uh, kids, you've got the kids who are trying to fit in, and mm-hmm. you've got everyone else. And, uh, man, there's the awkward moment when the parents step in and say, hey, you should invite uh, you know, Lauren to, to, to join your party over there. Mm-hmm. And they're not part of the same clique. Right. And the awkward of, like, uh, will you be there? Well, and the, the kids are looking at each other, and um, the ending is perfect. I'm going to go ahead and just give it away. Okay. Because I, I, it's, it doesn't really matter. It's the point, the journey through mm-hmm. this. Um, there's the realization that um, it doesn't really matter you know it just part, doesn't matter yeah finding your yeah. resolve to be your person is so important and finding your tribe to work with mm-hmm. is so important and this is what this young girl learns at the end of the movie and i hope that that's what i'm doing in school is helping kids to understand that that yes we are very different people there's there's a society in our school and yes we are very different people find your group find out who you are and then the next step is to find out what to do about it well you know and that that group changes over time yeah. i mean once you go to college all of a sudden your tribe gets bigger because mm-hmm. there could be a there's a bigger group to pull from mm-hmm. and oh, i'm sorry assuming you're going to a bigger school than your high school and then you know from there you know you get out into society you're in a school you're in a city a world city like Chicago, mm-hmm. if you have a specialized interest in probably anything, yeah, you can go to it. You can find your people. Absolutely. Everybody says that this is a wonderful film that parents especially should be watching. Do you agree with that? I, I think that the children, I'm sorry, I'm, I think the parents should watch this. Yeah. If they have interest in sort of feeling or, or getting a snapshot of what it could be like. For the, for young people during this this age, mm-hmm. and I, man, he just was masterful at putting that together. Excellent. Speaking of masterful, you have gotten through your course of Game of Thrones. You're now through season four, season five, and you've started on season six. All right. So all I can say is this: when you work out, you got to do something. Game of Thrones kind of works out real well. That's why I don't watch Game of Thrones. Oh well, <laughs> I, I I will say that this. Um, there is a soap opera effect going on in this. Okay. Um, I catch a little bit, but that's okay. There's a lot of stories going on, and the stories sort of evolve. Mm-hmm. I, I am going to be critical of this. There is a, a part of one of this. We have a character who comes back to life, which seems to be working outside the rules mm-hmm. of this world mm-hmm. or this universe. Mm-hmm. So they break what the rules are. To bring this one character back, I, I tell you, that's right, that right there is jumping the shark. Um, I, I'm interested in seeing how it's going to play forward from that point. Um, but I, but it just doesn't... In Game of Thrones, when you die, you die. Mm-hmm. And they broke that. Yes, they with did. With one character. Yes, they did. And that is... What can I say? It was a big deal when it happened three years ago. You're just catching on now. And and uh, yes, most people have already done their yelling about, you can't do that. And that really it doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, this, I'm a person who had not watched this. Right. So uh, I'm watching going, wait a minute. <laughs> you can't do that. And that's great that you are getting this firsthand you're not remembering three years ago you weren't paying attention to it three years ago you are seeing it firsthand on your own terms and getting those feelings Uh, absolutely and the story once again evolves it gets more complicated Mm -hmm. there's always the bad of the bad guys and there are you know there's a lot of gray area in this and this is a a real study in leadership about the challenges Mm -hmm. of ruling because 
It is difficult. Think of all you're you're in school. Think of all the parents you run into, uh-huh. and if you had to make every one of them happy. That's why I'm not the principal, sir, because that job is thankless. The number of people that the principal has to make happy all the time because he's the leader is is no thank you. And why can't everybody be special? Uh, because they're all special. They're all special, which makes nobody special. Yeah. Well, and so this is really kind of a, uh, a very, very um, gifted show, and uh, I am going to plow on because there is one more season. My understanding is that the... The final season has been delayed still mm-hmm. uh, for another month. So, as I would say, um, summer is coming. <laughs> I, I think you said that wrong. <laughs> but okay, <laughs> so you're still going to stick with it. You're still there, even though you're frustrated by the the choice of uh, who gets to live and who gets to die in this one. They've jumped the shark, my uh-huh. friend. Oh, interesting. Opening this week, we've got quite a few things coming out. It's certainly uh, mid-October, and the temperature isn't quite cold enough for everybody to flock to the movie theater, so we get a couple of films that may or may not be interesting for the next week. The first one is the sequel to Johnny English. This one is called Johnny English Strikes Again. Now, this is a movie that you may have interest. Yes. It's sort of a James Bondish. Yes. In a silly, silly way. A very silly James Bond. This is Rowan Atkinson, who you might know best as Mr. Bean back in the 80s. He is a wonderful actor. I love looking at his, at his face. He has such amazing talent with facial acting. Mr. Bean was a character that did not speak. And it did not connect with me, Steve. And you didn't understand whatsoever. I loved Mr. Bean back in the day. I, okay. I still will watch Rowan Atkinson doing something with his face. Johnny English is a character that is James Bond, uh-huh. suave, English, debonair guy who then does foolish things. And I don't love that nearly as much because Rowan Atkinson's voice is not nearly as entertaining as his face. Steve, is there a military movie we could watch that maybe has something to do with the Navy? (laughs) There is a Navy film about the U.S. Navy SEALs set to rescue the Russian president. It's called Hunter Killer, and it's all a submarine film. It looks like a thing, Steve. Yep, that is a film. There's another one called Indivisible. This is the extraordinary true story of an army chaplain and their struggles in the military. All right, so this is uh, a movie that looks very skilled. Mm-hmm. Um, this is by the same group that did Facing the Giants, Flywheel, uh, Fireproof, obviously a very religious, I would say Southern Christian mm-hmm. um, uh, message. If you ever wanted to understand the South mm-hmm. and Christianity uh, based in the South, they are an incredibly gifted uh, representation of sort of the, the rules that, or the mores that they want to live by or choose to live by. And the films that they make are very good films. This is a story of a, of a military chaplain and sort of the, the challenges they have with the, um, I don't know if you know this, um, many people who are in the military, especially in, in high stress situations, they come back, divorce is very, very high mm-hmm. in the military. They're uh, going to address this, obviously from a biblical point of view as, as um, this church sees it. 
I cannot help but think this is going to be a very skilled uh, movie and uh, something I, I'm going to have interest in seeing. I, I have not been disappointed in any of the movies. I they agree put with together. you. I agree with you. The the power of their message, it seems like it would be overwhelmingly religious, but they find a way to use their message to tell their story and in very entertaining ways. And, and I don't find it as preachy, although it is very preachy. I agree. Um, I find it, you know, this is the way it is. I, I, I think back on, um, I think it was Fireproof, about the uh, the two men, they were having a discussion. One of the gentlemen had a child of wedlock. I think they were firemen at the time. And the message was, um, you know, with this, you know, would God be a just person or a just, uh, not a just person if he knew that you abandoned this child? Mm-hmm. Very basically, human. basically challenging the young man who had not had a relationship with um, this woman who had a child uh, with him, who uh, basically this this person needed a father mm-hmm. or needed better yet needed resources, mm-hmm. and basically challenged him to um, to to understand. Listen, you have a responsibility to this person you brought in the world, even though you don't have a relationship a formal relationship with the mother or don't mm-hmm. want to continue that relationship. Yeah, there's there's such a human quality to these movies. Yes, they come from a perspective of religion, but they're so good at explaining what we need as humans and how we can be better. Absolutely. There's another one called Suspiria. This is a, uh, boy, one of those time for Halloween. We're going to talk about demonic possession in this one. With a young dancer in a dance company, Steve. <laughs> They're trying to save the community center from the Billing Industrial Corporation. Truly dirty dancing, Steve. <laughs> demonic dirty dancing. I don't know about this one. It's a movie, Steve. It's not a movie for you and I, that's for sure. There are some interesting choices available to us online, though. The one that's starting on Netflix this week is called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. All right, so there's a whole bunch of streaming stuff, and it comes out all the time. Mm -hmm. Netflix... This uh, Sabrina is going to be on Netflix. This looks very fifties uh, ish. Uh-huh. It's obviously based on on the comic that came out a few years ago. I look forward to this one. In uh, Archie Horror, so this looks like a lot of fun mm-hmm. and definitely, you know, I would say teen plus. Mm-hmm. Um, the the premise is obviously Sabrina, this uh, teenager, is coming of age. And uh, let's just see what's going to happen. She's going to have some choices to make. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, we saw Daredevil came out. We didn't actually mention it, but it's season three. It tells you something that we didn't even mention. The season three of Daredevil is available on Netflix. Well, there, there's been so many of the Marvel uh, mm-hmm. uh, series that come that have come through Netflix. Um, a few weeks ago, they announced the uh, Iron Fist was released. They announced that season two would be the final uh, mm-hmm. se- season of that. Luke Cage was released earlier this year. They announced that that would be the last season of that. So this is Thanos is doing right because they cut the TV shows in half, right? Well, I, th- I think these are D characters mm. uh, many in many of these, and if they do not have strong direction or st- strong art, art uh, direction as far as writing and stuff like that, it just may not have a lot of place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what this means ultimately. Uh, you know, there's going to be another Punisher series, and, and they'll continue to make these, but there may these characters may only get a season or two. Right. Daredevil is a, a little bit larger, uh, obviously has three seasons, but who knows if they're going to go anything beyond this one. Right. Jessica Jones is still out there, right? 
um, as of right now, I guess. She wasn't taken away by Thanos. No, Amazon also has some. That's right. Amazon also has some uh, series coming out. We've got one called Season 2 of Lore. Lore. This is like a a look at the roots of the truth of some of our horror legends like vampires and werewolves and body snatchers. No, this is, I mean, based on folklore. Mm-hmm. And these are uh, sort of a, a dramatization of, of uh, where these originally came from. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have season one that had a whole group of them. And this is season two that's coming out. Um, and, you know, you can watch that. That looks interesting. This looks fascinating. It's on Amazon Prime. Right. Uh, the Romanoffs also was released earlier this month on, on Amazon Prime. This looks like another one of those uh, fascinating uh, shows. The Russian royal family is featured in that one. Okay. Hulu has uh, plenty of uh, things coming up. We had Light as a Feather that came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, A group of teenage girls must deal with a supernatural fallout Uh stemming from an innocent game. Yeah. As light as a feather, Steve. Light as a feather, stiff as a board is the game, right? That's what the kids play. I guess so. Yeah. Anyway, this is on Hulu. Hulu's had really good series uh, uh-huh. recently. Into the Dark, The Body. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, it looks like monthly there's going to be uh, a series based on this. Hmm. So this is on Hulu also. Uh, the Walking Dead Season 9. Yeah, a lot of people have given up on The Walking Dead by now. But the deal is, is it's still on. It's on AMC, streaming yeah, there. It's still on. And let's go through some of the, the smaller ones. Some of the... the, the um, the distributors who just want to get involved in things. Media has changed in the last 10 years. Heck, sure. it's changed in the last five years since we started doing this show. And there's so many interesting voices out there in places that you might not be expecting them. There's a show called The New Space Race. This is, this is going to be on Twitter, and it's brought to us by Vice and Vice News. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. The okay. idea of where we're headed with space and how we're going to make it to Mars is the focus here. All right, so, and by the way, you can find links to all this in our notes. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that's really fascinating to me, <laughs> because I, I don't understand why somebody would do it, but there's Facebook Watch. Yes, and they're going to feature a... I guess they're calling it a show called Kelly Ripa and Rachel Harris's Heads and Faces. This is a private conversation between Kelly Ripa and her friend Rachel Harris that they are going to put on the internet for anybody in the world to watch. Steve, this looks silly. It is. Uh, This looks absolutely just terrible. I cannot imagine... Listening to two people in a basement talk about something... Oh, my oh, God. Oh, wait. That would be awful. <laughs> it's like podcasting. Oh, God. <laughs> There's certainly an audience for this somewhere. It's just not here. Uh, yes, people want to know more about Kelly Ripa. She's uh, very interesting. If you remember, a year or so ago, Paramount, through YouTube, released a whole bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're still there. But they, they have an app called the Paramount Network. Mm-hmm. And they're releasing Heathers based on the movie uh-huh. that came out back in the 80s yep. with Christian Slater and uh-huh. Winona Ryder called Heathers, a very dark comedy. Uh-huh. Now there's a series, uh, s- several episodes of a reboot of that story. It looks like it's been edited down. There was 10 episodes. Uh-huh. They've edited it down to nine. Uh-huh. Steve, this looks awful, uh-huh. um, and it's going to be on an app. I don't know who's going to be able to find this app, but anyway, it's there. You're telling me that UPN is no longer a network? <laughs> well, maybe it isn't. Who remember, knows? Remember when Star Trek was on UPN? Yeah, that was a good year. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, Steve. There, there's a, all these streaming uh, opportunities out there. And uh, we can't keep up with all of them, yep. but we'll catch some that look like look of interest, and we'll kind of uh, watch them for you. Book it, book it, book it. Book it, book it, book it.
book it our book of the week you have picked up a very interesting book this week it's called scream chilling adventures in the science of fear by margie kerr all right so professor kerr mm-hmm. teaches at university of pittsburgh and she's a professor there and she has she's a sociologist she has interest in the science of fear and this whole book is fascinating mm-hmm. it truly is fascinating this is a scientific study of how your body reacts to fear, and then some different versions of those types of fear. So let's talk a little bit about some of the the things that we go through here. So uh, one of the chapters is on things like thrill rides, like roller coasters, mm-hmm. and she travels to Japan to try uh, to go on some of the biggest roller coasters in the world because she really enjoys that sort of thrill she is an adrenaline junkie baby okay she loves it and okay. she she worked in horror houses she studied uh people going through horror houses as part of what she should stand behind a wall and kind of view you as you went through it to see how you would act wow. react to something she's if you wor- get the cheese then you you win the maze uh, maybe, no it's maybe. a different science um and you know we, we, we talk about horror houses. We talk, we talk about uh, heights. Um, she, you know, she's, she's gone to, in fact, the, the, I didn't realize this, but the largest building in the Western Hemisphere is in Toronto. Oh. So she goes to Toronto and she went up to that. And you, you, you get up to that height and you stand out on the ledge. Yeah. And uh, you get to look down. <laughs> and, you know, for. Sounds, sounds great. Well, for a lot of people, that's that's that's. I get it. That's that's crazy. I mean, they they were like, "How could you ever do that?" Uh huh. Okay, even though you're in a safe environment, um, and you know, we, we deal with a little bit of that. You go to John Hancock and you step out on the uh, you know the glass the sky deck. Yeah, yeah. You, you step out, and you can look right down. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been out there, you you may have noticed me like bend my knees a little bit and kind of look around and trying to get your bearings. Yeah. Um, because your body has natural reactions to it. There's mm-hmm. there's endorphins that are being thrown through. There's dopamine that's coming through. Adrenaline is being run through. And your body is making all these different uh, moves there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really kind of gives you an idea of what your body, how your body is reacting to it. And her science here is looking at some of the positive ways that fear might be able to change a person. Well, absolutely. Because once you've experience something especially with someone else imagine going through a roller coaster and we're all afraid of this roller coaster and we all go through it and it's not very long you wait a whole long a long time to get to it Mm -hmm. you go through it and then you look around and you see all the smiles and that's because one it it is scary you're screaming you're going through this scary experience but you also are releasing all this you know feeling this this you know there, there's there's uh stuff going a chemical stuff going in your brain mm-hmm. and you're processing in that and what you're doing is at some point you're you're associating the pain that you went through with pleasure and that can work in all sorts of you you see this same type of stuff with a person who is you know running a, a marathon you know um you know they're, they're incredible pain through it they hit a wall or whatever they break through it but you know what? They went through it together. They get to the the uh, finish line, and everybody's kind of walking around. They're eating their chocolate cake, and you know they've got this feeling that uh, you know of whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you can see it in many many other areas. So what she's studying right, right there can be used 
in so many other ways. And, and you can see the person, I mean, while well, we certainly she doesn't discuss it, but the person who wants to be the EMT, emergency medical technician, mm-hmm. who just gets a charge out of, uh, you know, there's an accident. I've got to go in there. I've got, I'm going to have to solve this issue very quickly. Um, they're adrenaline junkies, too. And then she talks about some of the downsides of this, some of the PTSD, some of the things that when we're in scary situations, how that can affect us in negative ways, too. All right. So she went to graduate school, and one of the, the chapters she discussed is that, that she lived in neighborhoods that were not so nice. Mm-hmm. So there's dangerous things going around. I remember I lived in Richmond. I lived in the fan. And fans got good streets and streets that are not so so good. Okay. Um, and what we realized at that point is that if, if you're in an area that is not so good, downtown Chicago in certain areas, mm-hmm. um, these people are living at a heightened level of, um, of awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, they're never able to relax. In fact, Part of the, one of the studies she cites talks about that, that these people uh, experience post-traumatic stress disorder on a greater level than people coming back from military operations overseas who have experienced, you know. War. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, this inability to relax, in fact, she talks about when she moved to a nicer neighborhood, how that went away and how, you know, Steve, you and I live in a fairly ne- uh, safe neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and while certainly things could happen, it's certainly not uh, on the level of some of the areas, like I said, downtown Chicago. The likelihood of something terrible happening in our neighborhood versus the likelihood of that in some of those neighborhoods that we know about in Chicago is a different lifestyle. Uh, eventually, we, we start talking about um, the difference in cultures. Mm-hmm. So what uh, she, she studies three different cultures in this book. One, you have the U.S. experience. And, and what we learn is that the fear that we, we have natural fear. Like most of us are afraid of snakes, um, and, and it could just be part of our biology that we've learned to associate snakes with danger. Um, but some of these are, are learned, and she describes going to Japan. So we, we, the three cultures we discover, or she stu- discusses are the U.S., Japanese, and also um, Colombia. Hmm. And Colombia is an area um, that uh, typically we do not want to travel to. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, let me go ahead and talk about Colombia real quickly. Um, it is on the U.S. like areas not to, to be a tourist to. There's kidnappings there. There's all sorts of violence there. Drug um, trade is, is driving a lot of the forces there. Exactly. And, and what we're seeing is that their horror movies and thrill rides and things like that are just non-existent. Mm-hmm. And they could be non-existent because they, someone will not put up the money to put up a roller coaster. But, it, but it, he, she's speculating it's non-existent because their life is already at this heightened area. I mean, mm-hmm. a heightened feeling. Um, and... Uh, she compares in Japan. In fact, let's talk about Japan real quick. They have a lot of ghosts uh, there. And the ghost is like a motherly uh, figure and blah, 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 blah. The point is, is that that's not our ghost that we would find here in the U.S. Hmm. And so where the people in Japan are very scared of this, the pe- and, and, they're not, and they're not particularly religious in the sense of formal religion. Hmm. Um, but, but these are not scary to us so there's part of the fear is conditioning here that you went through as a young person Mm -hmm. so if you grew up in a neighborhood um and you know this is the stuff we find scary werewolves or or whatever you know halloween's coming around the corner just think of anything that you would find scary 
that may not be scary. Clowns. Yeah, clowns is such a big deal right now. Well, it's, it's conditioning. That's right. It's conditioning mm-hmm. to say that this is scary. So we learn a little bit about how this kind of plays into it. In addition to the, that, as we learn how people are seeking these out, what I'm going to propose is where people enjoy most of these uh, types of, of situations, being put in situations where they're experiencing the adrenaline and, and all the, the uh, chemical parts of their part of this and the physical parts that your body goes through, is because they know that once it's consensual, you've agreed to go through this. Uh, in addition to that, is that it's typically a fairly safe environment. Right. So this is an incredibly enlightening book. Um, I think you can use this in many, many parts of your lives and understand the psychology of how humans experience the world around them. I mean, this is a fun, fun read, especially during the Halloween time. This is something that I use in class all the time. We talk about public speaking in class, and I tell the kids about adrenaline and how adrenaline can affect you in really positive ways. You can get some great things out of adrenaline, and adrenaline can be very negative. There are those adrenaline junkies who love love the feeling of this chemical. It can be debilitating, mm-hmm. Steve. But for others parts of it, you go through it and while you're certainly scared out of your wits, mm-hmm. it's this release afterwards. Exactly. And this is what's going on. And in fact, use it in in our terms that we've we've talked about since we've done this podcast. You you're experiencing monkey brain. You you're you, you know, life's really, really going. It's very difficult for you. You're, you're experiencing too much stuff. All of a sudden, you experience something that gives you this rush. A shock of some sort. Okay, and all of a sudden, that goes away. Yep. For that period of time. And it may last for an hour or whatever it does. But that's enough to break you from that experience or that whatever's uh, holding you back, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pre- uh, uh, and, and allowing you to to go forward in life. This is fascinating. I, I absolutely I read it for um, uh, to to understand this better, and uh, I I left with uh, an appreciation of, of what this is doing. There you go. That's what that's what most books should do. They should give you some idea of something that you were interested in and an idea of how to move forward with it. That one is called Scream, Chilling Adventures in the Science of Fear by Margie Kerr. You can find it on our Amazon store, amazon.toomuchscrolling.com. Scroll with it. You know, we got one more week. One more week to Halloween, Chip. That's right. And we, we come out, well, Halloween's next Wednesday. Yeah, it's a Wednesday. And so we have All Hallows Read That's that we're going right. to be preparing for. Uh, All Hallows Read was started a few years ago to basically, for Halloween, to share a horror story. Mm-hmm. Maybe a book. And this year's choice for Too Much Scrolling is Stephen King's Needful Things. We are reading it together. We're going to discuss it next Tuesday, so you should find a copy, and you should send us a message telling us what you think of Needful Things. That's right. It was recommended to me, so that's the reason why we're reading it. Yeah, we can find a book. There's a there's a book in Needful Things that can uh, tell a story in the story of Needful Things. I won't ruin it, even though we will, we will do heavy spoilers next week. So get ready for next week. Read this book. Send 
us a message how, what you think about it, then we will discuss it next week. I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. Yep, we got our homework. We're ready to go for next week. If you need more information, give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is toomuchscrolling.com. Our email is toomuchscrolling at gmail.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio and Spotify. So don't forget, we're on Spotify now. Search us up in any of those and you can find us. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hessenflow. We'll see you in the future. Halloween style.